today, I want to talk to you about good fruit. Good fruit. Say that with me. Good fruit. Matthew chapter 7, let's get right into it, uh, put it up for me, it says this, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name, performed miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It's quite a passage coming near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in this passage that we can know people by their fruits, and that is uh, our fruits are our actions or the results that come from our actions. And he says, just like you can identify a tree by its fruit, you should be able to identify a believer in Jesus by their fruit or by their actions. Are you with me? We are saved. A life that has been, we talked about transformation a few weeks ago, a life that has been transformed by Jesus should be different, and that difference should show. Somebody said yes, right? We, uh, been, we've been, I've been telling you stories about some of our, our episodes at this new uh, house that we moved into. If you didn't know or you haven't heard, we uh, got this power of sale house, and we've been fixing it up, and filling garbage bins and throwing out stuff and cutting down trees. And anyway, in the backyard, there's this little row of trees, and we believed that they were fruit trees. But we didn't really know what kind of fruit trees. We were guessing. We were guessing. Maybe some of you might have more expertise in that area than us, but, uh, and Helen's way better than me. I just look at a tree. I know if it's a maple. <laughs> I know if it's a pine. And I know if it's an oak, actually. I'm pretty good with oak trees. Uh, But anyway, um, so there was this row of trees, and we believed that one of these trees, we thought there was an apple tree and a pear tree, and we believed uh, that this other tree on the other side was a peach tree. But we didn't know. So guess what we did? We just waited until springtime, right? If you're not sure... Just wait until the fruit comes out. And even a dummy like me knows that when I walk by the tree and I pull off a fuzzy peach off the branch, I'm pretty sure that's a peach tree, right? That's deep, isn't it? That's deep. Yeah, you take that home with you, all right? Yeah, take that home with you. It'll change your life, right? So we have a peach tree, and it's producing peaches, except the dumb squirrels keep getting them before we do. 
Yeah, smart squirrels, I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably smarter than me. Maybe I'm the dumb one, yeah. But anyway, we can tell that it's a peach tree because it produces peaches. An apple tree makes apples, and a peach tree makes peaches. Believers should be producing the kind of fruit that comes with the life that's been transformed by Jesus, right? It's different. We're different. We're different with him than we were without him, amen? And that difference has got to show. If it doesn't show, then what real difference has been made in the core of who we are, right? It's got to show. Believers have to be and should be producing lots of good fruit in our lives. And we're producing fruit, by the way, we are producing fruit. It's really just a question of what kind, right? Uh, Look at uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus says, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way you live. Not prove by the way you speak. Not, not prove by your charisma, by your gifts, by, by how wonderful people think you are. No, prove by the way you live that you have actually repented and you are a child of the king, right? Have you ever thought about what kind of fruit is coming from your life? What do people see in me? What do people believe about me? Is, is good fruit evident in me? Is it, is it obvious in my life that I am living a transformed, Jesus-centered existence? Is that true about me? And is it, is it obvious? Because I want it to be obvious. And it should be obvious. Jesus talked about how we can produce good fruit. See, we can't produce the good fruit on our own. But he tells us how we can do it in John chapter 15. Put that up for me. It says, he says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. Just stop that. Just, just go back to that verse for a second. Have you, ever, have you ever felt like in your Christian life that you're being pruned? Ever had moments like that when God just puts his finger on something and says, time for you to fix this. Time for you to make this right. Right? It's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. Right? As we say, he loves you too much to let you stay the same right? And so here he says, look, you're a branch connected to the vine, and and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. The ones that don't bear fruit, they're gone, they're trash. But the ones that do bear fruit, he wants wants you to be pruned. He wants you to be even more fruitful so that you will produce even more. That's what Jesus said. Move on to verse 3. So you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Come on, will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. The branch is only good when it's connected to the vine. The life 
flows into the branch from the vine. And when we lose the connection, then we will lose our ability to produce good fruit. We will probably keep producing some kind of fruit, but it will not be the fruit of the Spirit. It will not be the fruit that comes from a transformed life. The only way we stay fruitful is by staying connected. And if we lose it, we can't produce the right stuff. It's really, really obvious. See, without him, we simply cannot do it. Jesus warns us in this passage that there's some people who look like believers. There's some people who say all the right things, who even operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but they are actually not truly, really connected to the vine. See, they're, they're producing fruit, but their fruit is not good. There's something wrong about it. There's something at the core that is rotten. See, saying the right words is easy. We can always say the right thing. And you know what? Even behavior can be modified or, or covered up for a time. But here's the thing. A person, what, what a person really is will eventually show. It will eventually show. It will rise to the top. What's inside will eventually come out, right? I read this story, actually, this week. Um, it's funny. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, I did. I read this story not actually connected to my sermon, but after I started prepping my sermon, I realized this was a good story. Here's the story. It was this farmer who was planting fruit trees along both sides of his property. He had a big, big farm, and he wanted to plant fruit trees down this side, and he wanted to plant fruit trees down the other side. And on one side of the property, his property backed onto an, an old abandoned landfill. And so he, he wanted to, to plant trees there down this side. And on the other side of his property, he had this beautiful stream that flowed, and he, and he planted trees over there by the, by the stream. And so he, he said it actually was funny that all the trees on both sides it looked like they were doing well. They grew, several years went by, they began to produce fruit, and uh, he said the fruit on both sides of the, both rows of the trees, it looked exactly the same. You couldn't tell the difference with the eye that the fruit looked really, really good. So one day, he finally decided to go out and to get some, and he went out and he picked some fruit from the landfill side. Now, you know what's coming. He bit into that fruit, and guess what? It was nasty. He said it was bitter. It was, it was just, uh, it was inedible. Just, it was garbage, trash, not edible at all. And he said, I went over to the creek side, and I picked the fruit from the trees, and the fruit was beautiful. It was sweet. It was delicious. He said, to the naked eye, they both looked the same, but on closer inspection, there was a massive difference. See, Jesus says we need to learn how to identify people by their action. He said you, you have to know people by their fruit. Don't go by what they say. Don't go by the image that they portray. Don't go by the car they drive. Don't go by the house they live. Don't go by all the impressive things that people put out to try to impress us. It says, look at the core of a person, identify somebody by their fruit and how they act in their actions. That's who they really are, right? 
You can tell the difference between good and bad by actions. We're by, and let me just say this too. We're not called to be judgmental and condemning, right? That's not the idea. But what you're called to be is a fruit inspector, right? You're not called to be a judge. You're called to be a fruit inspector. And, and, and a fruit inspector, just, just be patient. Just keep watching. The fruit will eventually start to grow on the vine. And, and you'll see what kind of fruit it is, right? Just be an observant fruit inspector. You can write that one down. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So you'll know, hey, here's another good one. You'll know the root by the fruit, right? Yeah. Somebody write that down. That was good. So I don't forget that. Yeah. You, you will know the root by the fruit, right? It's true. Like, is this, is this from God, right? When a situation comes up, is this from God? right? Is this person from God? Is this legit? Is this real, right? He calls us to be wise. We have this nonsense thinking that we, Bible says, you know, don't judge, and so we think we can't judge. He doesn't mean that. He means don't be judgmental. Don't be condemning. He's saying, use your brain, for goodness sakes. He gave it to you. Common sense. It needs to be more common in our life, right? Use it right? What does Jesus say? He said, right, be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves, right? You're assessing constantly. You're always making judgment calls a hundred times a day on so many things. Of course, we're to judge and assess things. Of course, we are. It's the attitude in which we approach it that makes all the difference, right? So is this from God? Is this person legit? It's okay to use common sense, And it's okay to use the wisdom that God gives you to assess the situation and to assess the person. And if you're not sure, then calm down, breathe, relax, and wait for the fruit to start to come out. And you will see what's really at the core, right? See, people can only produce... the, The older I get, the more convinced I am of this that people can only produce the real fruit of the Spirit if they have the Holy Spirit. You can't produce the real deal if you don't have the real deal, right? And yes, we have counterfeits. Yes, we have copycats. Yes, we have people. Yes, we have pastors. Yes, we have, you know, people on TV and crazy people. There's lots of good people and lots of wackos too, right? So this is why we, we, we have to use our brain and look for the fruit that is rising up from somebody's life. Look at the fruit. You can tell the root by the fruit. Look at what uh, uh, the psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 1. He said this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the creek, right? Bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Tell the root by the fruit. So the other thing about this is staying connected. The the good news is that it is possible to stay connected. We, We get connected and it's important to stay connected, right? So if we're to keep producing good stuff, we have to stay connected. 
If, if we don't, then we'll, we, we just simply can't. Jesus said this very simply and many times throughout Scripture. It's the Holy Spirit. He said, it is better that I go so that he will come, so that when he is here, he is the one who will help keep you connected to me. That's what Jesus said. He is the one. He will tell you what he hears from me. He will lead you into my presence and into the truth. He said he will be the advocate. He will be your guide. He will be your counselor, your helper. He will be your encourager. You've got to walk in step with the Spirit. And when you do, good things will result as long as you keep that connection strong. Don't let the Holy Spirit get way ahead of you and, 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 and don't fall way behind. The whole idea is walk in step with the Spirit. When he says go, go. When he says stop, stop. When he says shut up, shut up. When he says open your mouth, open your mouth. Do what he says. Follow him. Stay in step. He's your advocate. He's your guide. He's your power filler. He is your counselor, right? When you stay connected to him, the brilliance, the wisdom, the power, the anointing of God flows into your life. How can good things not come from that, right? So we stay connected through the Holy Spirit, right? See, if we lose that connection... Our good fruit, <laughs> I just thought of something. Here's another one. If we lose that connection, our good fruit becomes fruit loops. <laughs> Seriously, you know what I mean? Uh, what I mean is this, is that, is that there, we, we're, we're still producing stuff, but there's something cheap about it, something empty about it, something not real, something imitation, right? I haven't had fruit loops. My wife won't buy any. I don't know when the last time I had some, but I'm pretty sure that they smell like fruit. I'm pretty sure they might even taste like fruit, but I'm almost 100% sure that there's no fruit in Fruit Loops, right? It's fake. And if you lose connection to the vine, you will begin to produce something that's not real. See, we don't have the ability to produce the fruit, the kind of fruit that God is looking for. We can't do it. We have to stay connected. But here's the thing. We can't produce the fruit that God is looking for, but we do have the ability to stay connected to the vine so that he can produce the fruit in us, right? And this is, this is the key. Look at, here's the fruits, and uh, Paul talks to the Galatians about the kind of fruits that rise up from the old sinful nature versus the fruits and the actions that rise up from the life of somebody who's been transformed by God. Put up for me Galatians uh, chapter 5. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are, are clear. You'll see sexual immorality. You'll see impurity. You'll see lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Oh, man, the world is full of that. D d dissension, division, right? Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like it. You go on forever, he says. But let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. See, we can tell how strong our connection to the vine is by looking at the fruit that is coming out of our own life. It's easy to point the finger at other people. It's a little harder to look back at you, right? Why are we masters at seeing the speck in someone's eye and we miss the log that is so obviously sticking out of our own face? It's unbelievable, but we do it all the time. And I'm included. We're, we're just brilliant at it, right? But you can, see the, you can see really truly how strong your connection is by examining the fruit that's coming from your life. That's what he's saying. Like, basically what I'm asking is, ask yourself the question, what is winning? What is winning in my life? right? What is winning? The old stuff or the new stuff? What fruit is really growing and really showing in my life, right? So instead, he says, uh, Paul says that the fruit of the, one of the, he says is love. The first one he says is love. So instead of love, is there hatred? Is there bitterness? Is there prejudice in your life? All things that would be anti, right? Fruit of the spirit of love, right? Which, which is winning in your life? Instead of joy, do you have constant gloom and depression and discouragement? That's, that's, that's not a fruit of the Spirit, right? Instead of peace, do you have unrest, violence, turmoil all around you and in you, right? Are you growing in patience, kindness, goodness? Are those things seen in you? Instead of faith, by the way, are you filled with anxiety and worry? That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, now I'm really hitting home. I'm get, it got real quiet. I'm just telling you the truth, all right? Like, instead of gentleness, do you have a short fuse? That's not a fruit of the Spirit. Do you have self-control? Oh, my. That is a sermon series in itself. Just those two words. Do you have self-control or do you fall prey to every temptation that comes your way? Or just one that you can't seem to beat? Every time it wins. See, our, our decision to follow Christ, when it's real, it's transformative. It changes us. Who we are, and it begins to change us in here, right? It takes maybe a little while, but when he really changes who you are in the core, it begins, the fruit will begin to come out, right? It should cause, by the way, the transformation and knowing the Lord, it should cause some things to die, right? It should. And it's going to cause other things to grow. And he gave you a, a list of these things should die and these kind of things should be growing when we're connected to the Spirit, right? So if our connection to Jesus is real, it should show real results. What is growing in your life? And how connected are you? Don't point your finger at somebody else today. Look inside. The, the ability of self-awareness, I, I believe, is like a, a, an art that the world is vastly quickly losing. We, we, we can't look inside anymore and be honest with ourselves. Please look inside 
and see what's growing, what's winning in your life. So we're, we're to stay connected. He also said that when we're connected, when we're staying connected, guess what happens? We grow. That's what he says. We grow. We keep growing. So if we're in Christ, which is a great phrase throughout the New Testament, in Christ, people should be able to look and find the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Now, I, I, of course, we're not all the way there yet, you know? We're not all the way there yet, neither you nor me. But real disciples produce real fruit, and we keep growing in the knowledge and in the grace of God, right? It's a process. Look at John 15, verse 8. Jesus said this, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. So true disciples should be producing fruit, right? We're growing. A real issue, by the way, let me just throw this out there too for your consideration. A real issue in our lives is apathy. Just say yes, it is, it is. Don't lie in church, it really is, yeah. It's, it's an issue for all of us. Like, we can grow cold so quickly we can grow indifferent so fast. Even those of us who have known the Lord, we, you know, you, you, you go through stretches of time where you just feel dead inside and we just get cold, you know, and the growth is not happening. The connection feels weak. Like apathy and indifference is a real issue. We lose our passion and our will to keep going and growing, right, in, in Jesus. And, and we kind of get stuck where we are right? And the writer of Hebrews knew that was the case. It's been happening since the beginning of time. He said these words in Hebrews uh, chapter 5. He said, there's much more that we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. You have been believers for so long now. You ought to be teaching others. Instead, you still need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food, right? For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We shouldn't be hoodwinked. You have been given the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong, right? It says those who are mature have the skill to recognize the difference. Look at 2 Peter verse 3, and i got to wrap up here soon. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All glory to him, now and forever. Amen. See, in order to better detect the counterfeit, you've just got to know the truth. And the more you know the real deal, the more obvious the counterfeits become. That's the truth, right? It, it's, it's, it's just a basic principle. If you, if you don't know the truth, if you don't know what's real then you're going to be susceptible to be led astray. You'll look at giftings, you'll look at charisma, you'll look at money, you'll look at what looks like the anointing, you'll look at all these things 
and people and things can lead you astray. But when your understanding of the Bible becomes better, when you keep growing in grace and knowledge, right? Grace and knowledge, right? Then you'll be able to identify, Jesus says, the fake. You'll be able to see that's not real. There's something fishy about that. There's some, you, you know, when your radar goes up and just something on the inside says, something's not right about that. I'm not sure about that guy. Holy Spirit is whispering something to you. Listen, listen, right? Jesus says you will, you, you, you have the ability and you will need the ability and keep growing in that ability to identify the fake. The more you know the real, the more obvious the fake will be. Right? When someone says to you something like this, well, salvation is earned by works, and you don't know the Bible, you could believe that. Right? But if you know the Bible and say, no, the Bible says that we are saved through faith, not by works. That's not true. Right? You don't know that's true unless you know it's true. That was deep. I didn't even know how that came out. But you know what I'm saying? You have to know that. Right? If someone says, well, you know, I, I, I'm just trusting that I'm going to be good enough to make it to heaven, like there's worse people in the world out there than me, you know, I've done some good things, you know, I know that sounds good, but what it's really revealing is they don't understand the Bible, right? When you understand the Bible, you understand that the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short, that we are not capable of doing enough righteous works to earn salvation, that we need a Savior, that we need divine intervention, that we need somebody to say, I will step up and take your place. I will pay the debt that you could never pay so that you can be free, right? We have to know this stuff, right? We can't make it to heaven without a Savior, it can't be earned by works, and you can't be good enough. See, I think the worst kind of deception that I, I touched on earlier that we need to keep growing in is self-deception. I see, I see it in people all the time. We, we can't seem to see ourselves. You know, like, I cheer for me. I vote for me. I love me. I want me to do good, right? I want me to have money. I want me to have power. You know, I'm just fooling around. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we, 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 we cheer for me, right? And sometimes in the process of, you know, justifying, well, okay, so somebody looks and goes, well, why? That, that was horrible what you did. Yeah, but let me tell you why. You know, and we're masters at justifying. We're masters at sidestepping. You know, we're, we're great at all that stuff. Why? Because I'm cheering for me, right? Because I am wonderful. And I couldn't possibly take responsibility for the horrible things that I've done, right? Self-deception is a terrible thing. It's a, it's a horrible thing. We have this, like I said, we have this great ability to see the, the, the fault in someone else, but we, it's in short supply when we're looking at ourselves, Self-awareness is in short supply. See, we struggle to see ourselves, I think, at times as we really are. And I think sometimes we're afraid, by the way. And one of the reasons why 
we don't see it is because we're afraid. We're afraid to face the truth about ourselves. We're afraid to be honest. We're afraid that we might, you know, lose face with somebody if they really knew who we were on the inside, right? We're afraid. And so we don't want, you know, to face that. And so we'll continue to wear the facade. How are you? Fine, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And everyone knows nobody's fine, right? How are you? Fine. No, you're not. You know, anyway. You ever met somebody? um, I've met some people in my life, uh, you know, like you're out in the lobby after church. Hey, how are you doing? Fine, fine. And that, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But you ever met somebody that they just, they have no skill at small talk whatsoever? And, you know, you, you, I met this one guy. In fact, uh, Gene Clark used to be pretty good at that, the old pastor of this church. But I met somebody even, anyway, they, you go and you shake their hand. There was this one guy I met years ago. And you'd be afraid to shake his hand. Because he'd shake your hand and he wouldn't let go and he'd pull you in. And he'd look you right in the eyes. And, like, not blink. Like, you know when you're getting awkward and you're starting to look left and right? And he looks at you and he goes, how are you? Really? What are you going to say? Um, fine. <laughs> you know, this kind of thing, you know? But, like, it, it's, it's important once in a while to be confronted with who we really are and what we're really struggling with, Right? It's okay to face our fear about being honest and stop living in denial. You can't imagine like how deep, how deep in self-denial the Pharisees were, right? In the New Testament. They lived in it. They were steeped in it like a strong cup of tea. They couldn't see anything, even though he was right in front of them. Miracles would happen, and all they were worried about is if he did it on the Sabbath, right? He was teaching powerful things. People are getting saved and healed and delivered. Lives are being changed, and they're living in absolute self-denial, right? They had fooled themselves into believing that they were righteous and that everybody else around them were less than them, that they were the sinners but we are the called righteous ones. They truly believed that. They were deceived. And it is possible for people, right? Here's the thing, Jesus says, Lord, Lord, right? He says, look, it's possible for people to know the right language. It's possible for people to operate in, in, in the gifts. It's possible for people to understand theology and to know God and to have experienced God, but still not be saved. That's what he said. These people knew the Bible better than anybody. They had the Old Testament basically memorized from verse to verse, right? And yet missed it when the Savior of the world was standing right in front of them. Self-deception is an awful thing. And I encourage you to rid yourself of it at all costs. You don't have to bare your soul to every person that says, how are you doing in the lobby? But you got to bear your soul to somebody. And if it's only to Jesus, start there. But we have got to face who we really are and where the areas in our, life, our lives is that we need growth and we need to keep growing in that area. We, when we have a real relationship with Jesus, 
The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and he lives in us. Romans chapter 8, put that up for me. It says, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Look what he says. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. See? So when they say, Lord, Lord, but we did, he said, I never knew you. You've never had the Spirit in you. You've never been saved, never been in the family. You never, you've never been adopted. You've never been transformed. You've never been in. You were always on the outside pretending. You were self-deceived the whole time because you didn't have the strength or the courage to look inside and face who you really are, right? And you stood and, let, and led your whole life on the outside, trying to work your way, trying to use your gifts, your charisma, your, your influence, right? You were never in. He says a real relationship with Jesus, it, it, it includes the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God living in us, right? So a person must surrender themselves to Jesus and have the Holy Spirit living inside. And he will lead us into all truth. It's not, it's not just all truth. Understand all truth. All truth is not just theology. It's all truth about all those around you. Say, Lord, I'm not sure. Is this person legit? Show me. Give me truth. He wants to show you all truth about yourself. He wants to give you all truth, right? All the way, all the way. He wants to show you everything about that. He will lead you into all truth. He will produce his fruit in you, right? Not the fake stuff, not the old nature stuff. He will transform you. He will convict you of sin. He will motivate you to serve. He will motivate you to give your life, your time, your talent, your treasure. He will motivate you to look at the Word and to obey what it says. He will inspire you. He will give you the courage to look at yourself and to look at your weaknesses in an honest way. He will give you the desire to be holy. He will give you the desire to please God. That's Him. When you want to please God, that comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from your old nature. He's doing that in you. Right? He's doing that in you. Listen to His voice. He wants to pour out power. He wants to pour out wisdom. He wants to pour out love and peace and patience and self-control. He wants to pour out kindness and goodness into your life. This is what He does. And this is what He wants to do. Not just for you, but that so that you can impact others with what you have been impacted with. It's never just for you. See, so a person who has been transformed by the Spirit, who lives consistently dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, will produce good fruit. That's what Jesus said. It, it, is, it is absolutely a fact. A good peach tree will produce good peaches. A good Christian will produce good fruits of the Spirit. It will happen. It cannot be stopped. 
It is a natural outflow of the transformation that has happened on the inside. You have been moved from death to life. Your foundation has been moved from the sinking sand onto the solid rock. The winds may blow, but you will not be blown over. You will grow stronger. You will stay connected. You will keep growing and growing and growing. Your fruit will be real, not fruit loops, but the real deal. This is what he does. He will produce good fruit. So ask the Lord. I, okay, I've got to stop now. But listen, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to give you a new level. And, I'm, and I mean this in all sincerity. Ask the Lord to give you a new level of self-awareness. It's really, really important. It's really important. Say, Lord, show me. Help me. And you know what? It's exactly what David asked for as he wrote Psalm 139 and as he closed off that beautiful psalm. He, he did this. He said this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then look what he says. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know what he's saying? Lord, make me more self-aware. That's what he's saying. Show me. Teach me. Help me. Point out anything in me that's wrong because I want to make it right. This is what he does. And this is what he wants to do. We can produce good fruit as long as the branch stays connected to the vine. Let's bow and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, that you are for us. Help us to understand how deeply profound that is. You are for us. You want us to be growing. You want us to stay connected. You don't want the things of the world to, to, to chop our connection to you. You want, Lord, to do something in us so that you could do greater things through us. So we're asking you, Lord, we, all of us in this room that know you, we all have the desire to produce good fruit because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We want to live lives that please you. That desire is in us. And so we ask you to please fan that into flame. When we ask, Lord, what side is winning? What's winning in my life? I'm not all the way there yet, Lord. None of us are. But let the fruits of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit be winning in my life. Not the old nature, not the things of the world, not the things that pull me away and drag me down and add darkness, Lord, and bondage to my life. May the things that set me free and give me power and life and liberty and self-control and goodness, wisdom, kindness, may those things, Lord, may that fruit of the Spirit be growing in my life. So, Lord, as we, as we uh, just head into communion to wrap up our service today, we just want you to know that, Lord, we reject the work of the enemy. We reject the work that he, he wants to do in our life. We reject, Lord, the work that he's trying to hinder us from. And we ask you, Lord, I ask you for each person that's here today that we would 
Lord, just be courageous enough to look inside, just to be honest. Like David said, search me and know me, and then point out to me anything that is offensive. Lord, may we have that courage to say that, to pray that prayer to you. And when the Spirit of God begins to speak, when you begin to put your finger on something in our lives, then help us not to justify. Help us not, Lord, to run away. Help us just to embrace it. You love us. And you want, Lord, something to change because you are for us. That you love us so much that you want to make us better. And so, Father, give us a new level of self-awareness. May we not be self-deceived any longer. And may anyone, Lord, not deceive us. But set us free and help us, Lord, to live in victory and to grow. For, Lord, we're not all the way there yet. But you said in this life we should be growing in grace and we should be growing in knowledge of the grace and the power of God. And so may those things be winning in our lives. We reject everything that would hinder that. We reject everything that would, that would get in our way. Remove every wall, every barrier. Bring healing, Lord, to those who need healing. Give courage to those who need courage. Give, Lord, open eyes to those who need to see themselves for who they really are and what they really need to be working on. Lord, how can we progress unless we, we identify what needs to be fixed? It can't be fixed unless we identify it and then take steps to fix it. And so, Lord, whatever area in our lives, including me, Lord, that we need to work on, point it out. Lord, like David said, search me and know my heart. Test me. And point out anything in me that is offensive. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. May that be our prayer that we pray with sincerity. And so we thank you today, Lord. You are welcome in our lives.